I can do things that wet without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Coney Island, world's biggest barrel of fun. Anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the wonderful world of theme park design, that is. You've just set course for discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and kicking it in the boat inside beside me is uh, theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer of Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Where are we off to today, Mel? Well, Freddie, I hope you've been a good boy because we're going to see Santa Claus. <laughs> we're heading up a winding road to the beautiful San Bernardino Mountains where we met the new owners of Sky Park at Santa's Village. Uh, Santa's Village is a pretty unique mid-century family roadside attraction that opened just before Disneyland did in 1955. Uh, and it's become a go-to destination for families looking for mountaintop fun. Uh, although the park closed in 1998, uh, and it really would have been lost to uh, kitsch history if it wasn't for the vision and passion of uh, two really unique uh, entrepreneurs that have just poured their heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears into this special place. Um, you're going to love meeting Bill and Michelle Johnson. Uh, they've combined their love and passion for outdoor and extreme sports, uh, as well as the unique heritage of uh, the mountain architecture and kind of alpine uh, lodge kind of vibe with the park's family feel. Uh, to reopen it as Sky Park at Santa's Village uh, in 2016. Uh, we had a chance to sit down with Bill and Michelle, uh, this, uh, again, amazing husband and wife uh, power <laughs> couple, to hear how they <laughs> took a hold of uh, uh, the opportunity of a lifetime to resurrect uh, a theme park and, oh. and to bring back some really good bones. Yeah, it's amazing. I cannot wait to meet Santa. I I'm sorry. I can't wait to be meet Bill and Michelle in one of the most amazing interviews I think we've done yet. All right, folks, keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat, because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. Well, Freddie, I remember Santa's Village. Do you? I, I sure do. I grew up uh, here in Southern California and saw a lot of KTLA Channel 5 commercials for what to do on the weekend. And I remember Santa's Village commercials vividly and begging the family to go up there. And we had a family friends who had a cabin up there. So from time to time, we would stop by and check out Santa's Village. And uh, what a fun place it was in the 1970s, at least. Well, um, you know, this couple, uh, Bill and Michelle, have done something incredibly gutsy. They've uh, literally put all they have into creating an exciting place for families yeah. to come, uh, make some special memories. Uh, we see that with so many other parks from Walt Disney to some of uh, our visionary clients here at Storyland. But uh, what do you think is uh, kind of behind this outrageous impulse to, to design the theme park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh, when or to resurrect a to, theme yeah, park. Yeah, in this case, you know, they they knew they had the property. They had a place that they could start something with passion. But what was really cool that we're going to find out from them is that it 
combined with their own passion for the outdoors, with their passion for extreme sports, with their passion for um, doing something with their time that wasn't just uh, around screens. And so they decided they wanted to share that with the rest of the world. And I think that's the same with most of these uh uh, themed entertainment properties that we um, get to be involved in and go visit these days is, you know, these are places where somebody had it in them to share what they love with other people. Well, I was really struck by the fact that for them, it was it was almost really more about stewarding the site, mm. uh, you know, and, and giving it, uh, giving people an opportunity to just have access to these amazing trails and to visit the site. But then again, uh, Upon uh, kind of grabbing the the deed and the keys, you know, again seeing these these bones that uh, that were you know uh, rapidly deteriorating had, had been lefted uh, left to waste and rot yeah. away, uh, but again they they just couldn't help themselves. It was definitely never part of their original plan, but they could not help themselves but to. To, but to, you know, literally renew, restore, yeah. uh, and bring this thing back to life, including some of this uh, wonderful mid-century uh, alpine architecture. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. And what's really um, shocking, surprising, uh, is that, you know, this this thing should not work. There is a there um, the, there was a massive drought. There were the bark beetles that you know threatened to destroy all of that wonderful wilderness that's up there. And yet, um, here's these people with all the guts to just dig in, and we are going to make this thing work. And uh, you're going to hear it in their voices that it has been a whole lot of work. But uh, we went up there, visited one day uh, this last winter, and saw um, what it is that they're doing with it, and it's truly truly incredible. Yeah, it also strikes me there's there there was enough um, original uh, integrity in the original uh, founder and, and creator's vision. Yeah, um, and that's not a real part of the story that we're going to emphasize. But uh, there's enough there that somehow again stood the test of time. That that had this couple that wasn't really interested in in the industry. Yeah, uh, you know, be able to kind of fall enough in love with it to be willing to resuscitate it and redeem it. Well, let's get. Uh, Headed towards the North Country, Mel. We've got uh, to hit to the head straight to the bitter cold of Southern California's high country for our interview with Bill and Michelle Johnson, the visionaries behind Sky Park at Santa's Village. You ready? Let's do it. Well, thank you, Bill and Michelle Johnson, for having us here. We're so excited to be at Sky Park, Santa's Village. Great to have you guys here. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> It's great. We just uh, finished up a fun tour with some of our uh, team. We were up here in the mountains already uh, enjoying the beauty of this wonderful area and uh, decided to stop by and hang out uh, with you and learn more about this really amazing park, which has a huge, fantastic history. And you as leaders uh, just bring so much to it. We just can't wait to, to hear your story and share it. And I, yeah, I so wish that our listeners could have come along for the little nickel tour that we got with yeah. uh, your neighbor, Tony Baxter, yeah. a good friend of ours, and um, and you guys, and to hear kind of that confluence of, of Disney history legacy of his take and your take on uh, where you are today is really inspiring. Yeah. yeah. So I think we could go backwards a little bit um, and start with how you got involved and dis decided, like, it opened three years ago, right? Reopened yes. three years ago. So let's let's kind of start from there. Why did it end up in your hands, and what was your passion for it? And yeah, what, how did this happen? You're good for the for telling that story. <laughs> wow, that's a that's that's a big story. So um, 
Start off by it was my first job yeah. when I was 13 years old. Oh, cool. So knew oh, knew the, the knew the original owners of the park. They were the owners that built it. Uh, opened uh, what uh, six weeks before Disneyland wow. in uh, May of '55 or something. Yeah, 1955 Memorial wow. Day weekend. Uh, sold out. There's a line all the way down mm. the mountain. I mean, it's crazy. I've seen pictures. Um, Amazing. So so there's this like cultural resource. There's this history to it that is is fascinating. Uh, Michelle and I are both from the town from Lake Arrowhead, mm-hmm. uh, this being in Sky Forest right next door. Um, and it, it went through a, a transition of having, being this historic park to a mom and pop kind of park that um, had all of this legacy that, that we've kind of talked about as we walked around and all this history about the buildings you know, being built from the woods and all this great stuff that you just can't get anywhere to then, for us, watching it get closed down and, mm. what, and watching, we had a bark beetle infestation in our town, which ended right. up being, for 11 years, mm. we were a recorded national disaster yeah. uh, area. And to, and to see it go into this huge, dysfunctional ghost town, yeah. if you will. Uh, and it, we lost employment. Our school districts uh, dropped in half because of the loss of opportunity in the community. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we're in the real estate business, and so we're familiar with uh, the ins and outs of our community. And um, and the for sale sign flew up on it. <laughs> and we drove by and kept seeing this for sale sign. And then one day I, I came home and I said, hey, what do you think about if we bought <laughs> Santa's Village? <laughs> And Michelle's kind of like. I had a moment of like insanity, yeah. probably, where I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. And then now I'm kind of thinking that was crazy. But, anyways, yeah. we used to trespass here and yeah. ride our bikes uh-huh. and snowshoe and do mm-hmm. all this great stuff. And so that's why we liked it. I mean, the forest alone, uh, if you're familiar with California or Southern California, even whether you're talking about the Sierras or anywhere, we, we don't have the density of, of forest that we have. And this is kind of like a coastal range, mm. the San Bernardino Mountains heavy fog tons of water and so we have a almost like a rainforest type atmosphere where the the woods are so thick it is so magical when you go into the forest behind yeah. the park that that's what our attraction was yeah uh we were just mesmerized by it that if we could own this property how fantastic would that be and, and, then, and, the, and the property the encompasses how many acres 230 to- wow. total acres the the park itself is 15 acres with all the buildings and and the fun and then we've adapted uh, about a hundred and a half acres behind that is a trail system eco park that the family can come enjoy enjoy the commercial nature of a theme park but yeah. then get immersed into this natural world which just transforms you it's well, great i i, I- I got to tell you, I mean, you you might think that it was unique that you drove by the for sale sign and said, wouldn't it be neat if we could um, purchase that place? But I, I think there was a collective, um, oh, no, Santa's Park, Santa's Village is closing uh, across Southern California. And a lot of people, I even remember having conversations with friends, Yo, wouldn't it be fun to go ahead and do that? And I, I would imagine that that's repeated, uh, especially here in the community and then uh, as you radiate out and so i think you know you are the fortunate ones who took that step forward yeah and it's interesting being in the brokerage business yeah. like we we knew about it people would approach us and say hey you know what do you know about santa's village we're interested in buying this um and where we were a, a bit naive um is 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 the fact that 
we didn't realize that there's no such thing really as grandfathering a park. We even talked to Tony Baxter here about the submarine ride at Disneyland, how there was a lot of things that were were grandfathered uh, that would help them with ADA law, things that they just couldn't comply with. It's not possible because it was built before then. We thought, or I thought, specifically that we would be able to reopen this park we would have land use we would have the commercial use of the property it was a cultural resource there was no way that anybody would fight us on on reopening the park and boy soon as soon as we closed and we started moving forward and making the corrections to the park we immediately got shut down mm. And it was like, whoa, you don't have land land use. Mm. Uh, the environmental groups had come in and and petitioned uh, the county a decade before and changed all the zoning and erased all the commercial use out of it. And it was it was slated to be residential housing. Yeah. The wow. fear being that there was no way that anybody would be crazy enough <laughs> to to resurrect a park that is completely dysfunctional and, yeah. and dilapidated. They thought, you know, the next thing that's going to be in here is going to be a big box store. It yeah. will be a commercial center, and it will wreck the integrity of our community. Mm. Uh, and because of that fear, they changed it to residential, thinking, let's just wipe out the commercial idea of that whole beautiful acreage. Uh, and so when we walked in thinking, oh, we're going to make this park and build this park back, boy, did we get a splash of cold air. So we yeah. got thrown through the entire entitlement process of California of having to do environmental impact reports. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 17 different studies, and, and now here we are later, millions of dollars in just environmental work ju just to get the permission to, to bring the park back. Just to and, ride bikes. And, and to restore that, uh, to ride bikes. Uh, yeah. buildings and, that had been abandoned and to ride bikes. The yeah. yeah, and back to Freddie's original comment of, you know, all these people had this idea of bringing the park back. Once most people looked into it, they realized this is too much to take on. So what made it special about you? I mean, you, you did Ford head forward. So what what made it special about you as individuals and then your situation that made it possible? Well, I'll answer the first part and I'll have Michelle finish this, but we, my, my background is in urban development. I have a degree in development. I, I worked on master plan communities. I have a good sense of the, the process of development, which gave, gave me some insight of, Hey, I could do this, right? This is something that could be done. Um, <laughs> But I think what where the lever was, and I'll let Michelle kind of dive in here. We have a background in remodeling, hmm. and that's yeah. We we've been doing it for years, and eighteen buildings. That doesn't sound like too hard, right? I mean, just eighteen cabins. To I mean, remodel. it really didn't seem that difficult to yeah. do for me. I mean, like I have amazing team of people, but I also didn't want to run a amusement park yeah. you know i kind of am like a builder type of person and i like like all the different touches of creativity i can have here but i don't think i really was like wanting to have a theme park and i think yeah. that's where we were naive I, yeah we, we're developers we're builders we understand it we love art we love culture we yeah. love the resurrection of this historic theme park what we didn't see coming down the <laughs> pipeline was hundreds of employees and and learning yeah, how to we how to operate. We've had to adapt. Yeah, how to operate. And, and in some ways, that's been refreshing, and and that's been an asset for this park, I think, because we wanted to do it a different way. We didn't have a background. Uh, that's 50% of the glass is half full. Yeah. The 50% of the glass is you know, half empty was, how do you make it cash flow? Yeah. Right? yeah. How, how do you make it work? And that's, that's been the challenge uh, well, can that we you, go through every day. Can you step back and um, 
kind of for our, our listeners that aren't familiar with the original incarnation of Santa's Village, kind of compare and contrast kind of that original historic park or the, the vision that was Santa's Village uh, for so many years and so many collective memories, uh, comparing and contrasting that to your vision and what Sky Park is today. Well, the original Santa's Village was um, developed during a time when there was a boom in like mid-century amusement parks. And they also really focused on like the storybook theming. And um, you guys know from Disney. It wasn't just Santa, right? Right. It wasn't just Santa, but it was um, the original idea guy um, was this guy, Glenn Holland. And he had this, uh, I don't know, he read something in a magazine. I think it was... um, the Saturday Evening Post, and there's a lot of stories about him in history, and um, they they were uh, he was just very mesmerized by this story about the Santa's Village or whatever. So he came up with this idea. He presented it to all kinds of investors. They raised stock. They did all these things. I mean, this is the history I know. Yeah. Um, it, it might be not totally accurate, but um, it was just a storybook place that everybody really enjoyed it was at the same time as disney so there was um kind of piggybacking i think on that and then um you know it operated for 40 something years in that capacity and then i think that it kind of went through a lot of you know bankruptcy issues ownership issues things like that and so it didn't have the quality i think that it would like comparing it to disney you know it didn't have that kind of backing it didn't have the movies it didn't have all these things to get the financial backing so it closed and um i think for us we really are very interested in outdoor activities we wanted something like that we really didn't want (laughs) santa's village (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and that's an interesting story because when when we we first started this we were coming here to snowshoe we yeah. were coming here to the mountain bike ride right. and hike. And, and we were getting caught a lot. Yeah, yeah we, were tra- we were trespassing. Maybe you were trespassing. But yeah, we were getting caught a lot. This is my favorite part of the story. The, the, but the, the property was so beautiful. I mean, we have the oldest apple trees in the San Bernardino Mountains, for instance. Amazing. They were planted in the late 1800s. Oh. I mean, the, the history of, uh, of of this whole place. The, the state record for grizzly bears are, are all set here because mm. they didn't have to hibernate because we're at 6,000 feet. So oh, they're right, killing 1,200-pound right. grizzly bears. I mean, the, 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 the cultural resource, and I keep going back to that statement, is, you know, it's, it's so unique. It is so different than any other place. And even, uh, Mel, back to your question of, you know, then and now. When they designed this, you know, they built, like I said, they built the buildings from the trees, from the property. They, they, they brought in, you know, old diesel generators and contractors, and, and they just went through this, this old school mid-century construction style that there weren't ADA laws. There, right. there, there wasn't safety concerns. There, you, could, you could go behind a true reindeer-driven sleigh and, and you know, pet, pet the reindeer and, and, and have this interaction. And you did. And, yeah, and you did. And, and, and it's that kind of, um, that kind of history that, that was so great that you can't replicate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's something that um, I think was interesting for us in building it was how do you replicate that? How do you go back and, mm. and make a mid-century village, which really was designed to be even a pre-century village? I mean, it's their cabins, right. their log cabins. There's this feel that you have that's so natural coming through the park and to recreate that. Yeah. What a challenge and, and how much fun it's it's been. And, and 
the park today is trying to get back to that. Yeah. We, we've we've done an extensive job of trying to get rid of the power in this park. Like have self-powered things, not hydraulics, and not have all this stuff. So we have climbing towers, climbing rooms, pedaling cars, pedaling rides, uh, the fly fishing that we talked about that we're bringing in to the park, and these different things that you can come out and your family can drop the cell phone. Yeah. Say, forget it. That we're gonna we're gonna be together today as a family, and that's Walt Disney's dream. If yeah. you read the history of Walt Disney, he was trying to build a park that a family could go to on a Saturday and be together as a family. Yeah, it's a real we, powerful idea that you're doing. Uh, the idea of recreation, you know, of, of connecting horizontally uh, with your family again right. without the screen kind of as a mediation, but then also vertically with uh, creation and right. nature and, and being right. able to do that simultaneously, I think is something we're just wired to, to do as people. And those are the things that we're learning because we are trying to do a new kind of park and we have done a new kind of park, but th- what we've learned is the teenager or even the parent, they're not going to put their cell phone down. So yeah. although we try and get them out of that, we have to accommodate both. So, you know, fiber optics have been brought into the park to make sure that everything is state-of-the-art so that you can walk through the park and you can stream live and you can do all those things. So we've had to hybrid things from the old park to to the new way of of doing things. And like we said, we brought in a... And ice rink, which is what I've learned is ice rinks are not eco-sensitive. I mean, they, they draw a lot of power. But we were able to build a power that takes about 30, uh, a rink that takes about 30% of the power of a normal rink. So we've, awesome. we've done what we can in the areas that we can in order to make this place different. Yeah. Well, what I really appreciate is, again, the, the care and concern you put into also kind of um, redeeming some of the abandoned buildings. I mean, I know Tony Baxter actually at breakfast was sharing that Harriet Burns, one of the original uh, WED Imagineers, you know, was really involved with the model factory, had uh, had uh, been involved with kind of creating some of these structures or at least uh, designing them. And, and it's, it's really like the, the details you've you put into it make, actually I think in some levels make it better than they may have originally been in terms of at least the quality of construction and detailing yeah. in some cases. Everything that we recreated was made like they did it before. Mm-hmm. So we brought a sawmill in and we did, like, I mean, I think even some bil- some things in this room have been recreated from a sawmill. You wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. And we're, we're in the former boys' restroom, by the way. <laughs> yes, we are <laughs> in the restroom. But it is the coziest uh, office space I've ever been yeah, in. Uh, right just now. for <laughs> a description, it is... Uh, raw-hewn logs uh, from this property. It's now their office, but um, you can see the notches in the wall where the urinals used to uh, be hung, but now it's like this very cozy place to do work. In, and all decorated for Santa's, <laughs> in the sort of Santa thing, including the leg lamp from uh, Christmas Story. So this is this is a really good spot to um, share both nostalgia and sort of the future of this awesome park. So um, what we were talking about, I would love to hear a little bit more, talk a little bit more about the history and what we do know a, a little bit about that. Is that... Uh, yeah, and I, you know, also the transition to even the next generation. I mean, you guys are creating kind of a, a new, again, a new theme park typology, um, just kind of like we were talking to the Evermore guys, you know, yeah. Josh and Josh. Um, and I know that you're friends with them and you've kind of connect with that. How would you describe the park? I mean, you wouldn't call it a kiddie park or a theme park necessarily. Do you have a kind of a... I mean, I like to coin it more of an adventure park, but I also know that other theme parks called themselves that. But I think we're a true adventure when you come here because it's not like 
you're getting on rides, you're you're doing things, you're like actually having an adventure. So I theme it that. I I talk about it that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you're zipping through the forest. Yeah, I mean, we we do said. coin it as an adventure park, and I think it's really hard for people to understand, you know, this like Santa's Village mixed with this adventure park, and so we kind of have tried to market it like Santa's Adventure Park, but in the summers we really do focus more on the summer adventure, and we try to make it. Um, you know, we have Arrow, the dog, uh, Santa's dog, and he really does come to the forefront in our theming when it comes to the summers. And we have a huge mountain bike culture that is here. That's just a completely different thing that you kind of can't, you don't mix that with a theme park as much. And that's what's really unique is there's like mountain biking and then there's like Santa at his house. And it's just kind of this mashup of all this stuff. And it's hard for people to understand, but then they're starting to get it. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to get it, too, in, in that there is this nostalgia for nostal, – there's nostalgia for this park, what it originally was. There's families with young kids who want a fun outing that just really immerses them in the, in the uh, Santa Claus story, um, which you've got. Yeah. Then you have your passion, which is adventure and outdoors and this forest, this forest in particular, which is, you know, is your, your own um, sort of – where you were grown you're you're grown here just like these trees and you mash those together it's not such a mashup it's the like, sort of this beautiful layering of th- three generations going on here and it, it's fa- it's fascinating to see this place it actually like feels that. pretty organic even you know today with uh, in the christmas season with the kids and the mountain bikers heading off to the trails yeah. it, it actually feels pretty organic like this is just this great kind of uh, alpine themed base camp that, uh, you know, you can head off to these other, you know, we were talking about Whistler and mm-hmm. some of these other Yeah, Whistler's an inspiration. Yeah. yeah, that was an inspiration for us because, you know, we're huge mountain bikers. And so we've done all the parks and Whistler's amazing because we have, you know, it has just all the infrastructure for, you know, your experience there, no matter if you're snowboarding or you're biking. And that's where our inspiration was for that was... We saw the village and we're like, oh, my gosh, we can make a pub and we can make, you know, we have this amazing pub here. Like, it's where everybody ends up at the end of the day. And, like, it's really cool. We have great food. And there's just all this stuff that's going on that's, you know, that goes with it. It's not well, just it's one thing. It's such a multi-layered experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. I'm sipping my latte from your awesome coffee house. You got the, the barbecue restaurant, the the Fantasy Forest night uh, light walk. Uh, there's just it's just such a multi layered yeah, um, and puppets and uh, yeah, puppet the- outdoor and theater. We've got to talk a little bit about the entertainment because oh, just yes, some I- of the walk around characters. You know, again, remind me a little bit of the Evermore experience. Mm-hmm. But tell me we, about. Well, we kind of have our own um, character back layer with Santa Claus. Um, a lot of our characters are based around him and our Northwoods, which is the forest surrounding us. Um, there's elf royal families, and they all are related to each other. There's a, prin- a princess evergreen. There's King Kelwin. They're all immersed in their own story, and they tell the stories in when they do entertainment. So they have stories of the Northwoods, which is basically getting people to know them and what you know what they're about. Um, we do have edutainment here, which is kind of a layering between what the nature is versus their story. So we kind of mash that up a little bit together. Um, it's really fun. Um, it does have a little Ren fair flavor to some of our mm-hmm. characters. Um, I design all the costumes um, and all the characters. I have a couple of... Really my... wonderfully detailed, by the way. Thank I love you. Some of the leather work yeah. and the bells and the details. Yeah, it's been... I mean, I have had some designers help 
help me with them and but the whole vision of the group is mine and um they you know we just keep adding people characters and having new thoughts you know we don't have the movies or any of the things i really believe that disneyland was able to create so much um fandom or whatever because of their movies Mm -hmm. and all of these things and we don't have that here so we have to sort of present that to our guests in another way we've been able to take that santa claus kind of uh folklore yeah and and kind of extend that universe you know right we try to make it a little bigger for everyone and and all of the characters um you know they do things like uh we have our fantasy forest tour during the day which is all about um, medicinals and what you can use out of the forest and what you can eat and it's guided by Queen Wisdom and mm-hmm. it's like very amazing like wow. people love her and like they really feel like they get something out of that you know so we have this layer um, Christmas is a lot more of our you know Christmas entertainment um, but all year long we have this character overlay that is amazing you know um, very interactive and that's one of the things one of the reasons why we went to Evermore was to get a little bit more of that going on here and seeing how they did their questing and their mm-hmm. different um, like just how they did it I was yeah. very inspired by the idea of, of that yeah. you know the immersion of um, the theater and everything and, and I'd like to incorporate more of that here and that's kind of what I took away from going there yeah and the same thing too I mean if, I don't know if you've gone to Ghost Town Alive at uh, Knott's Berry Farm their summertime thing is very much gamified as well and you get this sense my my 17 uh, year old son who would much rather be on the roller coasters were walking through ghost town with his little cousins who were interested in the cowboys. But as soon as he realized that it was very much like uh, the games that he plays where he has to go up to somebody, get a quest and go off and go get stuff changed the whole day. I mean, we, ne- we never went and got in line for a roller coaster because ghost town yeah. alive was telling us that story. And the same thing is going with evermore. Yeah. And I could really sense it when we met the characters that they are tied in They're They're going to lead you to one another and they know each other's characters. And there's an interaction that's really quite cool. Yeah. yeah. They're they're. I think I feel like we're new to this industry, but we're different in some mm-hmm. ways and they're the same, like they're different and they're, trying you know they're trying to figure it out too and i don't come from any kind of cosplay but we did go there and dress up and yeah. it was amazing and it c- totally changed it i think being part of evermore is like the way to go i don't think that i think you should dress up and go there and you know someday maybe that'll be something that we have here we don't we do get people doing a little bit of dressing up mm-hmm. but you know it's not really it's it hasn't been like that here How do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears? Stories change lives. They make us remember, but only when they're felt and not just heard. Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit StorylandStudios.com or call now. 800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932.
1932. Storyland Studios, your big ideas, best ally. Well, I'm curious on kind of a little bit of the left brain kind of fundamentals. You mentioned cash flow, just the fundamentals of getting something up and running, uh, but then still kind of continuing to recapitalize and and grow the market. I know that you've got uh, other phases planned and uh, under construction. Can you speak to that kind of tension of just getting the thing open and keeping the cash flow going, but then keep, you know, continuing to stretch and and expand kind of the offerings and, and, um, you know, including the development across the street? Yeah, we've been building ever since we opened. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I don't know if you heard it, but our ice rink cement was still wet the day we opened. (laughs) I mean, it's just in our nature to build, build, build. You know, it's not there yet. It's not where we want it to be, and we will constantly build. So It reminds me of the Evermore guys, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, Normally, it's, not, it's like, okay, we, we borrow the money. Right. Now the investors and the lenders want the return on investment. Yeah. You know, so. And it was fun to go to see their park because it was looking at our park in the mirror. I mean, it, it was. It was. It was our, our park is designed to be complementary of of all the features within the park for it to work it's a it's a machine it's a it's a function of the park right i mean it's it's like the uh death star (laughs) you know it's it's not done yet but eventually we're going to rule the universe (laughs) it's it's that kind of a thing where you know we've come in and we've got this park that's going originally the very first concept of the park was hey i would go to whistler or i would go to mammoth or i would go to this mountain bike park but i would never take my family yeah. So it was alone time. I'd no, and go, I would I would be that person. I would know? be the bike widow. Yeah, yeah. So she was the bike widow. So it was like, well, what if we designed a park where you could come ride your bike, but your family's begging to come? Yeah. Like, it, it works for everybody. Go ride your bike while they go play in the park and all meet for lunch. And, and this dynamic is is something that's growing organically. It's really weird how, <laughs> how popular this has become. But because of that, it, there's other dynamics to it. There's fly fishing that isn't, it, if we're in our third year now, it's still not in play. It will be in play in the next 90 days. So that's just coming on board. There's a campground that was absolutely required for this place to cash flow. I was saying it's three years to finally get to the campground, but then you could come and you could stay for, let's say you live within two hours of here. Yeah. It's still, how fun would it be? You come in Friday night, you have fun in the park, go to the pub, do your thing, and then you can have evening entertainment at the park and then just go crash out yeah. and not have to do a drive yeah. and leave like most theme parks. You're, you're driving to and from. Um, so we, we knew we needed all these different components in for it to, to work and for it to really cash flow. Yeah. And it's fun for us right now because we, we really are starting to make this work and it's starting to cash flow. And we still have these components that we're bringing into the park, which will enhance the experience for the guests. And it's, it's it's the dynamics of of building something for everyone um, is, is a challenge, and the, the creativity that it takes. Um, that's I'm so impressed with Michelle and how she's been able to like create these yeah. characters in this feel because I can build it. Yeah. But but there's more depth to it than that. You know, anyone can just go build a building. Yeah. But if you can make that building alive with with culture and a feel and, and, and some kind of vibe that when you walk in that building, you're like, wow, this is, so this feels awesome. You know? Uh, and yes, you guys don't have a screen. She's crying right now. It's a, no, because <laughs> it's just, but that's, but that's how emotional we are about it. I mean, yeah. because it, we are in so deep 
And it's taken uh, so much energy, yeah. full time, to come up with new ideas. And, and some of the ideas throughout the park are, are, are brilliant. I mean, they're, they're just fantastic. And yeah. uh, so it's, it's neat to get, the, get all the nuts and bolts together so that it cash flows and it is a sustainable business. So we don't repeat the old Santa's Village of the struggles and the cash flow problems. And, yeah. the, you know, you got to build a better mousetrap. Um, so they can be there for the next generation to enjoy. Like Tom Petty, you guys are running down the dream, but you're, ca- right. you're catching up. You're <laughs> definitely right. catching up. I that's mean, right. you're right on its yeah, tail. That's right. You're right on its tail. And it's, uh, it's, 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 what a ride. Well, what I can definitely uh, see, sense, taste, feel is the, the passion, the blood, yeah. sweat, and tears, the love, the, the care, the concern. Uh, and, you know, I've, been, I've come through with my kids. Uh, we've had a number of our team members come through and everyone unanimously has come back and just said man there's something special here um the the again the the passion you know behind every uh employee or uh cast member or whatever you call yeah. it right. villager villager, villager. Yeah, I love it. Village. The village people. yeah but we're uh you know we're not a, we're not a board of directors yeah when an idea comes through our employees or through us you know it's a, it's a quick conversation and it's it can be implemented yeah. it doesn't have to go to a vote it doesn't and and that's that kind of culture here at the park that that makes it work makes it neat um, yeah i think that's true is it fairly intuitive when you as a creative director when you're making uh decisions of the type of offerings or a new attraction or what have you do you, is there or was there in the past a level of a feasibility master plan or has it been fairly kind of intuitive in terms of the the things that you wanted to to put forth in the offerings? Um, I think that, you know, Bill is very creative too, even though he likes to think he's the money man (laughs) or whatever, but we both are the same like that. I love to crunch numbers. He loves to be creative. Like we have this thing, but, um, I think that we always make decisions together. We found that it's easier for me and him to do the decision making alone without everybody else, um, because it gets done faster. It's more like, we don't always agree on stuff and so when we don't agree we can say I don't agree with you like we don't fight you know about it but we do have the freedom to make those decisions and they have been very intuitive I think I think we've talked it through and said okay what is about like we were just talking about the monorail and I was kind of not agreeing with him on some stuff you know and so we walk, we walk through it, you know, and we, we're still, it's still kind of yeah. on the table. It's very bit. intuitive, right? But then because of the experience we've now had of, of operating in the park, we're learning that, look, you, you can put in, uh, let's take our zip line, for instance. You can do a zip line. Its throughput is about 250 people, 300 people a day. That's about what the zip line can handle as far as capacity. Well, if that takes five employees to run 250 people today there's a certain overhead to that attraction of labor costs the construction costs and then it's got ongoing operations and maintenance with OSHA and blah 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 right so that you have to take all these dynamics so the zip line was intuitive oh we yeah. need a zip line it's going to go through the trees it's yeah. going to be fantastic we have this great forest let's build it now that we've operated it uh, we take a look at it and we compare it to our climbing tower. Our climbing tower can do 300 plus. It takes one employee. 
it's a it's a yes, it's a different experience. But how do we enhance that? How do we make it so that it has a waterfall in it yep. and it has 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 the feel that intuition that we wanted that 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 first gut of like hey we want this great feature but now you we do our stepping back being a little bit more educated and that's when the finances come in then then you have to See, the do good the overlay if, if you're in a company that uh, had all the the right departments and the business analysts right. they would have said no in the first place that's called naive and the mountain bike park is a, is a perfect example you know that, that can handle a thousand riders in a day no problem and, yeah. and they love it I mean it's just it doesn't get compacted it does, it's, it's just an absolutely fantastic experience it doesn't take any employees yeah. Right. Wow, what a model. I wish yeah. all of the attractions could be like that. Not that we don't want to sustain the econ- local economy yeah. and stuff, but there is a certain um, viability that these attractions have to have in order to make this park sustainable. Yeah. And those are the things that, yes, it's great. It's still the two of us. There's there's a lot of this knee-jerk passion of, hey, this is what we want. Yeah. But then through through the education, we've gotten to the point where we say, okay, now does it make sense? Yeah. Is, is this really viable? Or are we nuts again in doing something, <laughs> yeah, like doing we something do, that we I shouldn't do? I mean, we do say that yeah. a lot. Like, okay, I mean, because we don't have a background in this at all. Or we're running a large company like yeah. this. I well, mean, that's not true. At 13 years old, I worked here. That makes me an expert. Oh, okay. that's, a good, that's, a yeah, right. that's right. Oh, yeah, you're an expert. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's expert. Um, but, and the same for me being a creative director. I mean, I sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I mean, but I figure it out. I know I'm creative. I know I have really great people around me that are creative. Um, but, you know, I think that that's kind of one of the reasons why this, I have an aesthetic. I have um, a insane for detail like even down to like how clean it is here I mean I I'm like constantly seeing things and so that's where you're seeing that stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah I think well, I've got to ask you my wife Lori's here as well and we work together and as a couple working <laughs> together uh, do you ever clock out or is that uh, kind of do we either clock? Do we clock yeah, each no other? Do we clock in? I think you've clocked I me clock a couple in times. At, like when my eyes open. <laughs> no, um, like we have had a lot of struggles, but we've been married for twenty five years, so it's not like we're new to marriage. Not newbies. But <laughs> and we've also worked together a lot in our, yeah, we our have whole together. life. Most we've ran life. companies together. We've remodeled together. So that's not new to us. But definitely, um, this has challenged us in a lot of ways. Like, but now we're at a good spot where we're like, I don't agree with you. Yeah, and there has been like a power struggle for us a little bit here. And we do um, know each other's strengths. Yeah, very much. So we do separate and kind of conquer and divide. Mm-hmm. That that's been probably our best asset. Yeah, but it took us that, a little while to figure out how to do that. Yeah. You so know? I try not to get into the characters. I try mm-hmm. not to get into the entertainment. I try yeah. not to get in as as much as I want to run the whole thing. Like, yeah. that, I could do it, right? So but <laughs> but, the rea- can. <laughs> but the reality is I can't. I, yeah. and and she can do a much better job. Michelle's fantastic at it and it's and that's and so you know that's her court. And and so Although we work together, we, we do separate ourselves uh, in what we do at the park so that we complement each other. And, and we're good. And then at the end of the at night, yeah, we have a glass of wine and <laughs> or two, each other or two. Or we're like, wow, how'd it go for you today? Or, or whatever. Yeah. And then we, we mosh pit, so to speak, our brains. And, but we do and, overlap and we do a lot. I mean, we, we do run the park together. Yeah. It's, I'm not, I wouldn't just put myself in one box here and I don't think he would either I think we both are constantly overlapping with all the other managers I mean we do we're very hands-on I mean so it's I wouldn't even say like I mean I think 
it's true with you too with the campground like i i just went over there for the first time in like six months because i don't want to see it until it's ready for me to see it and i don't want to get in his you know his situation but i do have my input too you know um and he he can he appreciates that and the yeah. same vice versa like if yeah. he says like yesterday he's like i really think we should change our parade like let's move it 10 minutes and i did you yeah. know so we do that kind of stuff yeah, oh, that's super. I've got to ask you a, a real, again, tangible culture uh, with with the villagers and, and just the experience walking around. Uh, what can you share in terms of how you've created that? I mean, is it just a natural outflow well, of your relationship? Yeah, that, it's, good, it's a good question. Super, super controlling. When we first started this because we're a small town, nobody was hired in this park without seeing the whites of our eyes and going through the, the interview process with us. Mm-hmm. So we knew every single employee mm-hmm. and we knew their family or who they were or the backstory or, you know, that, that kind of thing. So there, there's a, there's a, there's a touch yeah. to every single villager that's in this park. Now it's, we're getting too busy. Mm-hmm. We're, we, we've lost that grasp. I would say this year with that, where we just have to bring, too many employees on uh, for us, and we have too much, too many things going on. So uh, we do try and get out in the park every single day, and we I think we are in the park yeah, every single we, day. I mean, we're pretty much on duty here. So, you know, I mean, I do run around a lot. I think a lot of it is we have interpersonal relationships with a lot of people. We don't put ourselves above anybody here. We we I'll go out and clean the break room with people. I mean, I do that stuff. Like he was. Pumping the septic tank yeah, the other day. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like we're just, we do what yeah. it takes to, to get the right. Park so we have created like some kind of respect, I think. There at yeah. least it sounds like a servant leadership. There. Yeah, yeah, it's we, a very you know. family family unit, and mm-hmm. so all the villagers they they know each other. We have group me, you know, on 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 yeah. our phones, and and so we we very much are our family that way, much more than any company that I've ever seen. And we get that response back on social media and stuff, uh, and emails and stuff back to us on thank us and how fantastic the employees are how friendly they are how they how they're so in tune with the park well Uh, as you grow like you you're identifying people i mean you were telling us about santa's brother what's his name king 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 kellen and that is great by the the guy the guy who's in charge of um that those characters has those strengths to be able to do that And and you were even sharing how you've empowered him to now take it to that next level which Let's you, allows you to trust somebody and move the the business forward and grow even where it's not under your direct control, right? Right, yeah. and that's really hard for me because <laughs> I'm I'm like my daughter was talking to Santa the other day and she told him my mom's kind of extra, and I was like, because you know that's like a thing that kids say right now is yeah. that you're extra, which means I guess you're over the top or whatever. And she was telling Santa that, and he and. And he goes, I understand. Like, I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's, he's experienced. Yeah. I mean, I'm just very, like, I mean, this place wouldn't look like this if we didn't, like, micromanage it right, at right. this point. And I think that's going to be our curse a little mm. bit because we won't be able to expand if we don't, like, have the trust in yeah. other people. Yeah. But I think we're learning to do that. Well, I think we see in some of the great leaders in themed entertainment, the ones that were that um, tight on be, holding tight to the vision early on that later down the road, that's going to be not your, your curse, but your legacy mm-hmm. is that people are going to buy into and believe 
what story you're telling here. And I think that's super exciting and important. Yeah, and I think that's fascinating, the conversation that we just had, because going back to the history of, of Santa's Village, okay, we are the first franchised amusement park, period. We're it. So we opened up before Disneyland. At one year of success, this thing was just booming. And so what did the owner do? They went and opened another one. So they went to Illinois, Dundee, Illinois, and opened up another Santa's Village because of the huge success of it. They then went to Santa Cruz, and they opened another one. So this owner had now three Santa's Villages, and it didn't take long before the wheels blew off of mm-hmm. all of these parks. And, and, you, and I now see why. You, just because the model works and there's a hype and people come to your park, it's like a baby, and I said this somewhere the other day. Yeah. You're not sure what you get, but you've got this baby, and now you have to raise it. So you don't just go out. There's a reason why. Sometimes you, it's easier the, to pop out the, another one. That's, right. that's right. But I think there's a reason why you don't. <laughs> keep the one alive. That's right. You can't have one baby and then another baby and then another baby. There's a reason why it takes nine months to have a baby, right? So, so it's the same kind of thing. I, I couldn't imagine. Yes, could we go someplace else right now and go replicate this park? Yes, I could build it. But could we replicate the park and the theming and the environment and the you, you the could, people you, the people yeah. you couldn't do it? Yeah. And that part of it is was the demise, I believe, of the original Santa's Village. They you it's it's a baby. You got to raise it and you have to take care of it. Yeah. There's a responsibility there. If if you were to able to go back and talk to yourselves five years the, oh the five year ago version you know of yourself getting the DeLorean oh, really? oh, <laughs> what would you have oh, told yourself I, would say, I want to say a cuss word but I'm not going to <laughs> I, I would say no because no. my life now is so much different than it was but um, I think we just were so naive and, uh, and I mean it's good for everybody else yeah. you know and I think we know that we were but we're okay with it now but it was definitely some naivety going on. Not what on. you anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think I would work here. And I think one of the things is, let's face it, it, it to, to all your listeners, everybody that's out there, right, what's the American dream? The American yeah. dream is you go to school, you get out of school, you get married, you have a family, you have a career, and you get to a point of wealth where you're like, hey, I'm I'm independent, and, and, and this is the American dream. I have the car of my dreams. I have a home. Maybe I have even a second home. I mean, what a great lifestyle. What a, what a true American, right? <laughs> we were there. Yeah. And then we... Bill got bored. We got... Yeah, <laughs> Bill got bored. And so no, he did. He yes. got bored with his, his career. Like, everything yeah, was good. And he right. was like, oh, I just want this challenge. And now it's just a challenge. And now I'm like, I'm going to kill this challenge. I'm going I'm <laughs> to no, right. do it. Like, I'm not going to be a quitter. Right. Like, I'm serious. Right. I'm going to stay here until I can, like, you know, yeah, raise yeah. the baby. <laughs> raise yeah. the baby. Yeah. But, it, but it's funny. So when people ask, you know, would you, if you could look back five years ago, back to the original question, would you have done it? Probably not. Yeah. No, I Prob- say hell no. Probably not. <laughs> we we had be- we had become the American dream, yeah, right? right? But then awesome. something crazy happened, and it's we because thought- he, it's him. He's the best salesman on earth. Oh, he awesome. literally talked me into it, and I mean, I try not to blame him all the time. It's my but, fault. But he's no, he's it. an optimist. So when he, I mean, every day, like even today, he has this. We quote him all the time. And he always says, like, oh, we're going to do that next week, yeah. you know, because he's so optimistic. He's so like, we can do this. We can do this. And that got us all through this whole all yeah. of this because we believe him. 
<laughs> I love it. Well, yeah. I, but we do. And I mean, like, if if it yeah. wasn't, we wouldn't be here without that. Yeah. Well, I happen to be wearing my uh, Grand Californian uh, team shirt today. Awesome. Uh, it's got that mountain vibe. Uh, and you mentioned there was a tie from that to uh, your your home. Talk about your American dream. Yeah, we built a home. Um, gosh, it's been like 10 years ago now, but it was before this. And we built it kind of as a spec house, but we bought a sawmill and Bill went to Sawyer School and learned how to use the, the mill. And we were very inspired by that hotel, wow. you know, the grand, you know, the big great room and all the lodges of the... Um, National Park National architecture. Park. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, and that actually was a segue to building this and taking this over because of, you know, having the experience and doing that kind of work. Wow. And, so, and again, another neat tie. Uh, Tony Baxter lives down the street in a neighborhood that was developed by the the developer of the park originally and who developed a lot of sky sky park or sky, yeah. sky forest yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and Tony's convinced that he was actually influenced by by. Um, seeing his home across the street, the, 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 the Alpine chalet that Tony lives in now because it had that Norman kind of chateau uh, kind of lodge feel. And uh, so there might be some indirect lineage there. Very possibly. Yeah. But, uh, so we talked about kind of time traveling to the past, if you could talk to yourself, if you could time travel to the future and, and give our listeners a taste of what this could and uh, should be. Uh, 5, 10, 15 years uh, when you're ready to kind of uh, kiss the baby. <laughs> good luck and Go good luck. Good riddance. Go to college, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it, it, I, Michelle did an interview last week where she said it really well where it's like if, it, if, it, if we pull this off and we do it right, you would come to this place with your family. You would lose yourself in this place, whether it's through the characters in the park, through the activities in the park, through the fantastic food and, you know, wines and microbrews and all these things, all these different facets, candy store. I mean, I can just go on and on. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. You come in and you lose yourself and that the engineering work that you left back at the office or you're a third grade teacher and the screaming kid that can't you can't get out of your head. Hopefully that's what we accomplish. You can come here and lose yourself, and you can be with your family. You can be in a place that gets you away from everything, yeah. and um, that's that's it. That's the euphoria. That's it. That's, that's it. if we do that. I um, I I told my mom that I was coming here and was going to interview you guys, and she sent me on my phone some pictures from when I was three years old. She, you awesome. know, and she she describes the she describes the story. You know, your your brother was in my womb. It's just you. We're it's the last of the time when we're a family of three. There's your dad with you, and she's saying how special that was. And we have, we were going to Lake Gregory, and this was a family vacation. We didn't get a lot of those, and so one of ours was here. And so when you think about what you guys are creating, and that there are kids in the park right behind us right now, walking around enjoying this, that are going to have the same experience that. I I have now it just it means I'm rooting for you and I know that this industry too as soon as they heard that somebody was gonna it was foolish enough to do this they're rooting for you yes and so you just just be strong in the fact that there's a lot of people rooting for you this is gonna be great yeah, yeah, we can't thank you Appreciate enough that. for just doing what you've done here. Yeah, you really yeah. have done something special. Thank yeah. you so much for being on our podcast. Yeah, uh, we can't guys. wait for everybody to hear it. It's gonna thank you guys. Gonna love it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank love you. having you. Wow, Bill and Michelle, they're a wonderful couple. Um, 
you can really tell they're all in on this uh, this wonderful entrepreneurial take on resurrecting theme parks. <laughs> well, I love how they kind of, again, just uh, stumbled into it. You know, yeah. we've got, uh, again, friends from Tony Baxter, um, designers like Kevin and Jody, yeah. um, Charles Phoenix, you know, yeah, kind of a guru right. of mid-century Americana, um, you know, and there's just such a, a unique tie into to Disney's legacy, you know, with the original founder being in t- contact with uh, both Walt Disney and Ray Kroc, and, and this being kind of the very first franchise uh, theme park That's concept, right. um, you know, with other parks in Santa Cruz and Illinois. And I love that, uh, you know, Tony kind of shared with us kind of the, the tie-in with Harriet Burns, uh, yeah. the, the very first female Imagineer uh, who had worked on Santa's Village, you know, before she went to work for uh, Disney uh, from the, those great mid-century modern Mickey Mouse Club sets. And then, of yeah. course, uh, on so many other projects at uh, Imagineering with Fred Jerger. And so um, what a unique uh, legacy and what a unique time capsule. And the yeah. fact that it's not just kind of frozen in time, that, you know, it's kind of reinvented for uh, for my kids, my family, this next generation. Uh, just what a, what a unique special spot in SoCal. So blessed to have that in our backyard and so close to our studio that it's become... Again, uh, a pretty awesome a- annual tradition of uh, waffles and pancakes every <laughs> every uh, winter. And uh, what a joy it was to, again, share that with uh, Tony and his uh, wonderful sister, uh, Debbie, this year. Yeah, that was cool. And the, uh, Tony told a story about how he had sort of, when the park was abandoned, he uh, snuck onto the property, went walking around, went into one place, one room, and... Uh, got scared out by squatters. I mean, that this place was as dead as it could get. And uh, today, Bill and Michelle have made it into a really wonderful place. You can wander with your family, uh, enjoy great food, enjoy craft beer, and uh, then go down a zip line. I mean, it's a, uh, or, or take the uh, uh, mountain bikes uh, out for miles and miles in the back country. It's just really, really wonderful. Well, I'm a big believer in, in redeeming uh, dead places. And uh, again, to, to take a place like this that was, again, abandoned, decayed, uh, and uh, to, to now create a place that's so full of life, so full of, uh, of uh, both old and new memories being manufactured every day is really awesome. Yeah, it really is. Well, after all that cold snow talk. I'm ready for a hot toddy by a roaring fire. How about you, Mel? Sounds good. All right, let's get this old sleigh back to the dock. Until next time. Thanks, Mel. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. I got to tell you, we can't thank you enough for listening to our show and liking it and sharing it with your friends. It means so much to us. Will you leave us a review on iTunes podcast? It really helps to share the show with so many more people. Thank you so much. We also want to thank our very special guests, Bill and Michelle Johnson of Sky Park at Santa's Village. Visit skyparksantasvillage.com and follow them on the socials at Sky Park Santa's Village on Instagram and Facebook or at Santa's Village CA on Twitter. Get access to more stories and interviews at themedattraction.com and insiders look at theme park design by theme park designers. Follow the action on Instagram and Twitter at Themed Attraction. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at Skipper Freddy on Instagram and Twitter. 
Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson. Other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Find him at barryrhill.com. You know, Mel, besides being a professor, Barry is also an accomplished animal trainer. Last week, he trained a rhinoceros to add and subtract. He asked the rhino what 4 minus 4 is. The rhino said, nothing. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>